Acts chapter 10. Tonight we come, there's several, several divisions here in the book of Acts. We saw in chapter 9 how the Lord made himself known to Saul of Tarsus, raised him up, made him an apostle to the Gentiles. And here we're going to see in chapter 10, as our Lord is going to take the gospel to the Gentiles. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you as he did in the day of Pentecost, that you might be witnesses. And you've heard me say in Jerusalem, and he did it in this order, Jerusalem, Judea, and then Philip went to Samaria, and now he's going to take the gospel to all the corners, to all the nations of the world. You know, in the Old Testament, even when our Lord came under that, disp under that, that covenant, when he obeyed the, the law perfectly, he said, don't go to any of the household, but just to the household of Israel. He called that woman, that Canaanite woman, an old Gentile dog. That's how he referred to her. But he showed her mercy. But as a whole, as the majority, he was dealing with Israel. In Israel, he blinded their eyes. They turned their back, would not have their king to reign over them. They said, crucify him, crucify him. They wanted themselves a king to deliver them out from under Roman oppression. The scepter of Shiloh, the, the scepter had departed, and it won't depart till Shiloh, till Christ has come. But just to think, we are all naturally come from Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. You remember Ham was cursed. He had a son named Cush, who had a son named Nimrod, who built Babel, who built false worship. Remember when Israel was in Egypt, they said, we dwelt in the land of Ham. Well, then the children of Israel, the elect of God, during, through Abraham's literal seed, which Christ came through, he chose Shem. And then who were we? We were in Japheth, the Gentiles. Because, you know, he set apart. Through those 12 sons, he chose Judah. And through Judah, he brought Christ into the world, who's the seed of David, and he rules and reigns in his church. We've seen that he saved thousands, converted thousands and caused them to believe in Christ. And now these people, the most unlikeliest of all, who had not been taught the law, who had not been taught the oracles of God, they were without hope and without Christ in the world. They were the uncircumcised. You know, the circumcision in the Old Testament was the seal of that covenant, which was a picture, which most people never saw, of the circumcision of the heart. We are the circumcision. Our heart has been circumcised by God's grace and by his spirit. And you know, this is what I'm getting at. You will see this. This is what happened in the book of Galatians. Those Gentiles were converted. In Galatia, in that city of Galatia. But here come these Jews in. And they're saying to these Gentiles, you've got to be literally circumcised or you're not a believer or you're not saved. Adding to something. And all that's been fulfilled. 
But see how they're always wanting to pull them back up under the law. Maybe we'll see next week we might get to that point. But when Peter, I mean, when Peter goes to this man's house, Cornelius' house, when he meets the rest of them and they hear about it, what do you think they're going to say? What do you mean going in eating with a, with a Gentile? What do you mean doing that? We can't do that. That's wrong. And that was their idea. You know what? It had degenerated into the point they thought they were better than everybody else. Well, I'm a Jew. They said, we'd never be in bondage to anybody. Oh, yes, they were. They were in bondage to the Romans at that time. But that's what they thought. And that's what religion produces. It produces self-righteous pride. Like God owes me something. These people were just left alone for thousands of years and now why would God show them mercy Christ came into the world he said I have other sheep which are not of this fold what folds he talking about he's talking about besides the Jewish fold when he said God so loved the world what's he talking about the whole world of God's elect from every kindred tongue tribe and nation he's going to save them how's he going to save them he's got to send them the gospel They've got to hear, and they've been in darkness. And you think now, now, it's probably been 10 years since Pentecost, and now. Sometimes it may seem like God moves slow, but he moves on time, right when he sees fit. He's going to reveal himself to these people. That's what we'll deal with. Here in chapter 10, let me read verses 1 through 8. Brethren, it would help if I was in the right book. <laughs> I knew the chapter didn't begin that way. With time we left, Peter was staying with a man named Simon the Tanner in a place called Joppa, which is a city by the seashore. And even staying with Simon a Tanner, tanning hides was looked down on because it was a messy, smelly job, tining, tanning hides. And they probably didn't have the means that we do today to try to tan hides, and he's staying with him. And we don't know how long he stayed there, and why did he stay there? Lord, it was the Lord's purpose. He stays with this man, probably helped him out tanning, but there was a certain man in Caesarea, which is about 35 or 40 miles north of Joppa. His name was Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And he saw in a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour, of the day, which would have been three o'clock. The ninth hour is important because that was the time of the evening sacrifice. Remember our Lord when he hung upon the cross on the ninth hour. And the angel of God coming into him, saying unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he was afraid, and he said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send to Joppa. He's going to tell him what to do. 
and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon of Tanner, whose house is by the seaside, and he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Why didn't God just speak to him through the angel? How does God speak today? He speaks through his servants. He's going to use Peter. He said, you sin. And he told him exactly where he would be. He told Paul to go to Ananias' house. He said, you go down here by the seashore, and that's where this man's at, and you go get him. And he'll tell you what you ought to do. And when the angel, which spake unto Cornelius, was departed, he called two of his household servants, and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually, and when he declared all these things unto them, he told them what the angel told him. He sent them on a mission to Joppa. Here we see a place called Caesarea. One of the last times we hear about Philip, it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 40, and Philip was found in Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea, where this man lived. What he's going to see, what we will see tonight, in the Lord bringing the truth to this man called Cornelius. Now it speaks here of him doing alms and good deeds and praying and doing these things. And he said these things are come out before, up before God. Most people would say, well, that means that he was accepted because of something he did. That ain't what that means. We know that according to other scriptures. But what this is saying, this man has probably been converted to Judaism. He may not have been a proselyte. What I mean by that, he... He prayed at certain hours. He gave alms. He gave to the poor. Now, he did this because he feared God. Not to be a child of God, he did this because he was a believer. But he's never been circumcised. He don't know that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He's never been taught that. So he's acting upon the light that God has given unto him where he lives. This man, it says, he was a centurion. This is a man who was over probably about at least 100 Roman soldiers. It said it makes reference to the Italian band. He was over them. He was a man of influence. He was a man of prestige. But he was a man that believed. Roman soldiers, centurions, were not known for being nice people. I picture Roman soldiers as being very ruthless, having no compassion, showing no mercy. And why would God show mercy to this man? Because it's pleased to do so. <laughs> the Lord came to this man. You wonder, you know, our Lord didn't record it. I wonder what he's praying for on that ninth hour. I wonder what he's seeking. I wonder if he's seeking the Lord and seeking his will and seeking more light. He may have heard a little bit about some things that are going on, but he don't know in detail. But God's going to make these things open 
to him. What we're going to see is God is no respecter of persons. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female, rich nor poor. None of those distinctions matters. Why? We are received by grace. By grace. One of the hardest things the Jews had to deal with was having anything to do with them Gentiles. Them uncircumcised, them Jebusites and Hivites and Parasites and all the ites. They were considered what? Unclean. They were certain things in the Jewish diet that they could eat and they were certain things they could not eat. Why? Because God said so. And that's what God established. And they didn't have anything to do with a Gentile unless it was just absolutely necessary. They, if they had a shop, they probably wouldn't have bought there. It's like Danny had some meat processed. If he was a Jew and he found out they was Gentiles, he said, I ain't going there. <laughs> that's, now you think about that. You think we're all by nature prejudiced. Especially when anybody that lives south of the Mason-Dixon line. I mean, we just raised that way. And they were raised this way. But it was wrong. Now they have, God's going to show mercy to them? Yes. To those people? Yes. We're going to get on over in Acts where it talks about Paul in Acts 13. Paul preached to these Jews and they said, we won't have it. We won't have it. We're not, getting up, we're not giving up our laws and our regulations. And we're, we're not giving up that we're not accepted on what we do. No, Paul said, okay. And a couple of Gentiles heard him preach, and they come up to him and they said, would you preach us next Sabbath day? They're still meeting on the Sabbath day. Why? As under the law. That's when they met. That's when God said to meet. And on Saturday, Paul stands up and preaches. Different story this time. These people received him gladly, and as many as were ordained unto eternal life believed. <laughs> it's all in the Lord's hands. I'm glad it's not who we are, what we've done. It's by grace. By grace. It was grace that God revealed himself to this man and told him what to do, where to go. If you would turn to Luke chapter 7. There's, it's kind of ironic that our Lord dealt with a man one day who was a centurion, like this man. He was a Roman, Roman general. And this, he lived in a place called Capernaum. In Luke 7, verse 1, now when he, he had ended all of his sayings, our Lord in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto this man was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy before whom he had done this. For he loved our nation, and he, this man had built them a synagogue. Most believed that he built it of his own money. 
of his own effort. If he couldn't build it himself, he probably hired the workers to have it built. A synagogue for these Jews? That just seems odd, doesn't it? Why, why would this man do this? I believe the work of grace has been done in this man's heart. The most unlikeliest one you would thought that would be a believer was this man. And when he was now afar off from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself. He said, I'm not worthy that you should even enter in under my roof. You think about that. The Jews never before entered into, under his roof. And he said, he said, I'm not worthy that you come to my house. I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself. I, didn't, well, I wasn't even worthy to come unto you. But say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man set, set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, Go, and he goeth. And another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. It's on the second time I ever read where the Lord marveled. He marveled. He marveled at this man's face. And then he marveled again when he came to Nazareth. He marveled at their unbelief. But he marveled. And he said, and he turned him about, and he said to those people that were following, I say unto you, I've not found so great faith, no, not in all Israel. He said, you don't have to come under my house. You don't have to be there to touch him. You don't have to be there and look on him. You just say the word. What faith? A faith that God gave him. This man believed. He said, I didn't find faith like this, not in all Israel. And he told the Canaanite woman, he said the same thing. Most of them didn't believe. Didn't believe him. This man believed. Why? Why do you believe? By grace. Why would God show us mercy? I've not found no so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent returned to the house, and they found the servant whole that had been sick, just like he said. And all he has to do is speak the word. He come to Cornelius, and he said, You send to Joppa, to place, and you seek a man, Simon Peter, who's staying in a house of Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the seaside, and you go get him, and he'll tell you what to do. And he believed, because he called it his servants, and he sent them. They said it would probably take a 10-hour walk to get there. They may not get there the first day, but they get there the next day about noontime. It's about time to eat lunch. But they went. Can you imagine what's going on in his mind? Boy, I can't wait till Peter gets here. Excited. <laughs> oh, that we would not lose our excitement over the gospel. This man feared God. He was charitable and generous. And he was a man who prayed. And while, you know, it says, while he was praying, the Lord spoke to him. While Zacchaeus was in the temple, which was his time and to go into the temple, John the Baptist's father, the Lord spoke to him. And you know what it means for the Lord to speak to you. I don't have to explain it, but he speaks. And he spoke. 
and he heard, and he believed. He believed. Now verse 9. So you see Cornelius, and these men are on the way to, to Joppa. But what about Peter? And on the morrow, the next day, speaking after he sent them to Joppa, as they went on their journey and drew nigh to the city, almost to the city where they were, their destiny, where they were headed, Peter went up on the housetop to pray. And it's about the sixth hour. The sixth hour is high noon. He goes up to pray. You notice where he went up to? The housetop. Someone described it this way. He's, he's beside the sea, sure. And you know what it is to get up just a little bit of elevation? Seems like the wind is always blowing at the ocean. You can see him. He goes up there and the breeze is blowing. and He's trying to find a quiet place to pray. I can, you know, I'm just speculating. I don't know. None of us know. But I could see Peter seeking the Lord's will. Lord, how long do you, how, how long you want me to stay here at Joppa? I, I don't see and not have any opportunities to preach, and I'm just staying here with, with Simon the Tanner, and what do you want me to do? And little does he know, three men are standing at the gate <laughs> going to seek for him. I think that's amazing. He went up on the housetop to pray, he became very hungry. Well, it's time to eat. He, but all of a sudden, he'd come over, he was overcome with hunger. And he would have eaten, but while they made ready the lunch, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven opened. Remember someone else who saw heaven opened? Stephen, when they stoned him to death. Heaven was opened, and he saw Christ standing at the right hand of God. Heaven was opened. And a certain vessel descending, descending unto him as it had been a great sheet, knit at four corners and let down to the earth. I picture something with four corners. It's tied at all four ends and it's just drawn up together. And he lets it. He, and the Lord, this is what he's showing to Peter. He's letting this down to Peter. And while, and we're in on that corner, that, that sheet, all manner of four-footed beasts, of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air and there came a voice to Peter arise Peter kill and eat that's what he said Peter arise kill and eat but look what Peter said not so Lord don't that sound like it's like Peter almost arguing not so Lord not so I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. What he's going to show to him with his sheet let down from the heavens. It's come from heaven, not from the earth up. It's a picture of God's church gathering in all his elect, who they are clean by his grace. He's showing him because Peter's still prejudiced against them Gentiles. How's he going to convince Peter to go with these men to that man's house. Because by nature, he don't want it. Like he said, not so, Lord. I've never, and he said, um, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Danny, he's saying, I've never ate pork. I've never eaten anything that was just common 
or unclean. I wouldn't do those things. You see the wall that our Lord is going to break down. He's taking down the middle wall of petition. He's removing those things. And the voice spake unto him again, verse 15, the second time, what God has cleansed, that call not thou common. Who cleansed it? He did. At one time, it may have been common and unclean, but not anymore. If that Jew now wanted to eat pork, he could eat all the pork he wanted. I'd say, pass me to ham. But you think about it, they could not eat them. Couldn't touch a dead animal. They would be unclean. Couldn't touch a leper. Unclean. Couldn't go into certain places. Unclean. Couldn't even eat without washing your hands because if you did, you were unclean. It's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him, but what comes out. But they were very strict. We don't walk but so far on the Sabbath day. We wouldn't do that on the Sabbath day. We don't honor a Sabbath day. We honor the Lord who fulfilled the Sabbath. He is our Sabbath. He is our rest. What God has cleansed, that call not common. Verse 16, this was done three times. And the vessel was received up again into heaven. Gil, or someone made a comment. He said, when all his elect are gathered in from the four corners of the earth, from the north, the east, and the south and the west, you want to do? He's going to gather them all up. Just like gather them. He gathers them. He's showing Peter. He said, there's some from all over this world that I'm going to save. They may at one time been called common and unclean, but not anymore. Don't you be afraid to go eat with them Gentiles. Verse 17, and while Peter doubted in himself, what the vision which he had seen should mean. What does this mean, Sandy? What does this vision mean? I can, you know, I tried to read from other men. What, what does this mean? This sheet coming down tied at four corners and, and rise and eat. What does all this mean? And Peter's, what does all this mean? While he is doubting, Isn't it amazing how our Lord removes our doubts? And he makes known unto Peter, and he makes known unto us what he would have us to do. And while he doubted to himself what this vision he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood at the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter. Is there a man named Simon Peter here? Who's asking? (laughs) You notice how the Lord sent them to, to the place, to the man that could tell them the truth. Was he lodged there? And while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Peter, behold, three men seek you. Arise, therefore, he tells him what to do, and and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing. You don't have to be afraid, Peter, because I've sent them. Isn't it amazing how the Lord works in these little details? 
who reveals himself to this man in, in Cornelius, reveals himself to that man, tells him what to do, and then he's dealing on the other side with Peter, who's going to meet Cornelius, who knows nothing about Cornelius, who knows nothing about these men coming in right when he's doubting and searching. God speaks to him. He said, you go with these men. Don't you worry about nothing. You don't have to worry about anything, he said, because I've sent them. They didn't come on their own. I sent them. He sent them. Oh, that men would sin to hear the truth. Oh, that God would reveal to them where the truth was at. For I have sent them, verse 21, Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What's the cause whereof you've come? Why did you come down here? Why, why did you come here seeking me? Who told you I was here? And they said, and they're going to tell. They're not making something up. They're not adding anything. These men are witnesses. They are going to tell what their master told them to tell. They are doing exactly what their master told them to do. Just like that other centurion in Luke chapter 7, he said, I have men under me. And I say, do you go when you go? And I say, come, and he comes. And Cornelius said to these men, he said, go. And you know what they did? They went. They went. And they said, verse 22, Cornelius the centurion, a just man and one that feared God, and of good report among all the nations of the Jews, he was warned from God by an holy angel. He was warned to send for thee unto his house and to hear words of thee. That's why we're come. He said the Lord warned him, told him to do this. Then called he them in, or Peter did, and lodged them. Well, Peter was hungry, and they were just fixing dinner, so you can probably read between the lines. They probably went in and sat down together and ate in an old tanner's house. Jews sitting down with a Gentile, eating. How can that be? Because in Christ we're one. Christ is all and in all. And now on the morrow, so they, they stayed there the rest of the day. They got there about lunchtime. And I wonder what they talked about. And some things the Lord's you know, not pleased to reveal to them. But you know they talked. What's this man like in Cornelius like? What's he like? Huh? Say he saw in a vision? Well, you ain't going to believe what I saw. I saw God let down a sheep from heaven, a sheep filled with clean and unclean animals and told me to eat, and I said no. But he said, don't you be afraid what I call, or don't you be afraid what I've cleansed, I've cleansed. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa, Joppa accompanied them. And we know in chapter 11 there were six people that went with Peter. You wonder why? These men are going to be witnesses to what the Lord is doing. And can I tell you a little secret? Our Lord's still doing things. 
he still works. Now, he don't speak to men through visions and those things. He speaks to us through his word. But he spoke to these men then that way for a reason. And see, men, they don't know, I guess, don't know any better because all they've been taught is works. They, they think they're looking for a vision or something. I'm looking for him. I'm looking to see him. You know where I'll see him? I'll see him right here. And Lord will send one of his messengers to preach the gospel, and then through that he'll reveal himself to his people. And on the mother, verse 23, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And on the morrow, the next day, after they entered into Caesarea, so they probably had to camp out somewhere at night, and Cornelius waited for them. Well, I can't wait for him to get back. He probably knew how long it'd take to get down there and how long it'd take to get It's a couple of days. He has a couple of days to think about things. I wonder what this man's going to say. I wonder what this man has to hear. I've never heard any, he never, he's never heard anything like this before. It will probably be the first time he ever hears the gospel. Now, he acted on what light he had. He... This man was saved like all those in the Old Testament. How were they saved? They are justified by faith. Justified by faith. Just like Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. He looked for a city who hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. And on the Mars he entered Caesarea and Cornelius waited for them. But what did he do? He didn't just sit around and twiddle his thumbs, waiting. Just, he's not just sitting around waiting. Now, that doesn't mean he's not doing anything. He's calling his kindred and his near friends. There's a man named Peter that's going to come up here and speak to us. And I want you to hear what he has to say. You know, can't we learn from that? He called his friends and his kinsmen. What's he going to say? I don't really know, but I know it's something important. And I want you to hear what this man has to say. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him. And he fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Didn't know any better. See, he has misunderstanding. He, he, he wants to worship a man, and we know better than that now. And Peter knew better than that. He's not going to let this man worship him, but he thought he was, you know, somebody real great. Well, he is in the eyes of the Lord, but he's just a sinner. Just a sinner. He fell down at his feet and worshiped, but Peter took him up and said, Stand up, I myself, I'm also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in. He talked with Cornelius. He said, look, you don't have to do that. I'm just an old sinner just like you. You know who I was? I was an old fisherman. Just an old common fisherman. And he, Peter found many that were come together. We don't know how many there was. The house could have been full. If it was a synagogue, the place could have been packed out. I tell you, I saw something, I saw something like this in Mexico. We would go out in those little villages out there where these people live. And this was a pretty good-sized building. It was a long building. 
had a door on either side and had windows all the way up the side and the back doors were open. The building was full. They were standing at the doors. Every window, they was places was full. At the back door, it was full. I remember we was there, and it was about 7.30, and then it got about 20 to 8, and I asked Walker, I said, when do they come? When do they start gathering? He said, about dark 30. And in a few minutes, people started riding up on bicycles, maybe a few coming cars, and people just started walking. And Peter walked in there like this. And there was all these people sitting there listening, hungry. All they'd ever heard was worshiping an old dead god, an old stump or something, living in darkness. Never heard anything about grace and mercy. Just made to feel like an old dog. And he said unto them, Ye know, you imagine Peter standing before all these people, you know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come into one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. He said, God has showed me. God talked this man. And he had to be taught. He's just like me. He's just a sinner just like me. If God saves him, he's going to save him just like me, by grace through faith. I want you to look in verse 29. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, without hesitation, as soon as I was sent for. I asked, therefore, what intent have you sent for me? As soon as y'all came, I came, just as quick as I could. Well, why did y'all call me? Why did you call me? Why did y'all gather here today? That's a good question. Why, why are you here? Why, why does anybody come here? And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in white clothing. And said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner, who by the seashore, who when he cometh, shall speaketh unto thee. You know what he said? He just told why. That's why I sent for you. The Lord told me to send for you. Immediately, he didn't wait around, he didn't question, he didn't doubt, he, he acted. God help us to do that. He didn't say, well, I better keep praying to see if this is the Lord's will. No, the Lord told him and it was clear. And he had faith and he did. And thou, immediately therefore I sent for thee and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, he's going to tell him why they're there, and this blesses my heart. Now, therefore, we are all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. We're all gathered here because if God's going to speak, 
He's going to speak to you. We want to hear what God commanded you to say. We don't want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear what God said. And they were listening. Wouldn't it be amazing? It'd be amazing if we all came for that one reason. We're here today not for the singing, not for, not for, not for the entertainment, not for any of those things. Why are we here? To hear. We want to hear. If God's going to speak, he's going to speak through his word. He's going to speak through his servant. And that's what he's showing us. This is how God works. This is how God saves sinners. Peter ain't standing up or hitting men over the head saying, be healed. He's not saying, I saw some vision. And does anybody have a, a word of testimony? Erica sent me some pictures of these things. It's going on back where, and I may have mentioned a little bit of it Sunday. I think it just kind of ties in here. A lot of people meet for other reasons. We have what's called Merle Fest in the spring of the year. It's a big bluegrass festival. People come from all over the world because if you've ever heard anybody, and a man named Doc Watson, who was one of the bluegrass for years and several others, and, and he didn't live probably 30 minutes from us. Well, he's dead now, but his son named Merle was bushhogging one day, and the tractor turned over on him killed him. So they did it in memory of, of Doc Watson's son, and they called it Merle Fest. And, you know, it's a, it's a big, I mean, it brings in thousands of dollars. It's a three- or four-day event. Well, somebody got the idea. We're going to do something religious. Because we can gather, how are we going to get people in? We're going to have Faith Fest. They went out there in the middle of a field and put up this humongous cross, probably a hundred and some feet. They said that thing cost almost a million dollars. You know how many people was at that thing for one day last week? 30,000 people. Erica sent me a picture of the, up at this cross, and there's a big old light shining this way. The guy's carrying a big, a big old wooden cross. And the girl that Erica knew told her, said, oh, didn't you hear about Faith Fest? Said they didn't have any preaching. It was just giving testimonies. It ain't there about preaching. They wouldn't, they wouldn't stand for any preaching. We're not, we're not here to, to look at some cross. We're not here. We're, we're going to talk about him who died upon the cross, who paid our sin debt. But, you know, it just breaks my heart. That's where we were lived, and there's still a little gospel church there, and they could care less. All they want to be is entertained. And somebody said, well, you know they didn't do it for money. Erica said, did they have to buy a ticket? I bet they had to pay for parking. I bet all the food in there wasn't free. I noticed in the picture she sent they had an ATM. You say you're mocking. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's like when Elijah said, won't you pray to him a little bit louder? What bothers me with this people is lost. Never heard the truth. But they can get all excited feel good about their self. I want to hear what the Lord has to say. I pray every time we meet the Lord, give me something to say. To speak to your heart. He said, that's why we're all here present. To hear all things that are commanded thee of God. And we'll pick up at verse 34 next week. And then Peter opened his mouth. <laughs>
A lot of times he's getting his foot out of it. <laughs> but here he's going to preach to these people. He didn't preach one thing to the Jews and something else to the Gentiles. He had one message, and that's Jesus Christ in him grew.